recording live from Doug Baldwin's new summer home on Revis Island. It's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I did it right, guys. I did it right. The yeah. Seahawks Nest. Got there. I also like that. We didn't have to record it three times, and I didn't have to say that I messed it up. I just got it right on the first try. And he got the genuine reaction to his joke instead of the... We, we always pop up the canned laughter for the audience on the third yeah. one. Yeah, because it's like the second try. It's not like... I can yeah, never get there's it. There's always the first joke that you're like, I don't want to do that one. I don't like that. I don't think anyone's going to get that one. For those of you that are wondering, <laughs> we use the home improvement laugh. <laughs> I wish I had sound effects like that. Dang, that'd be dope. Hey, thanks for the uh, putting the Home Improvement theme song in my head. Kevin, that's the second <laughs> theme song you've got in my head tonight. I hate you. Welcome back to the Seahawks Nest. I'm your host, Eric Ronenbeck. With me is Nathan Santo. Hi. And Kevin Garber. Hello. Brett Hancock is uh, working on getting trapped in Texas yet again. He had so much fun the first <laughs> time. He's He's going back for another visit. Double dipping in the tri-state I, I just area. like the nebulous thing he said. He said, I got stuff to do tonight. What does that even mean? That could be anything. Uh, that means he's got to line up some Twinder stuff. Some Twinder, yeah. Roll that. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. It's a Tinder profile of twins. Which you know what? Respect, Brett. <laughs> Respect. Okay. You found a Tinder profile of twins. You go for that. You gotta get in there. So after a uh, nice thirty-seven to eighteen trouncing of the 49ers, I believe. Uh, yeah. The eighteen points. Should never have given him eight. 37 <laughs> to 18 is a great score. That's it's a- also a unique score, and it marks the unique score of 2016, which gives Pete Carroll a unique score in every season as Seattle's head coach. Yeah, he gets all these weird score totals. I don't know how he keeps pulling it off, but he does. I don't know, but no. every single season... He has had at least one game with a score that had never happened in an NFL game. Yeah, that's up inclu- until then. including forty-three to eight. Best I, score. That's my favorite one. Yeah, best the score. best score. I was gonna. I was Save gonna the best for last that pull year. that out a little more for those that didn't know. A unique score is a score that has never appeared in an NFL game. I like how you pull it out, Eric. Yeah, good job. That's why I do it for you, Kevin. So here's here's my biggest problem with this game is that. I don't start Carlos Hyde on my fantasy team because he's playing the Seahawks. Seahawks defense is awesome. And then who who runs in garbage time but Chip Kelly? Like, he just bordled all over. Yeah, he was just like, "Hey, I'm going to keep handing it off to Carlos Hyde in garbage time, and we're going to see what happens." It's like you know no. what I love about that though. It shows why you lost the game because you can look at it later and say, "Well, I don't know. They ran the ball a lot." <laughs> you know, because whenever like when we lost against the Rams, it was like we did not run the ball enough, and. Chip Kelly, no. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why you lost. Blaine Gabbert was horrible in this game. How bad <sighs> is Blaine Gabbert? The 25 pass attempts for 119 yards bad? Like 4.8 yards per attempt. Yeah, Man. It was ugly. Can you just put all linebackers in at that point? Carlos Hyde almost outrushed Blaine Gabbert throwing. Oh, that's a bad stat for your quarterback. Yeah, 21 for 103 for Hyde. 119 on 25. For how much? For how much we bag on how bad our uh, how bad our defensive our offensive line is? I mean, they only got to the quarterback twice. I know they hit him a lot more times. They had six QB hits, but they only got got home twice. And I thought the offensive line had a serviceable game, if nothing else. You know what I noticed that played really big was the runs to the left side were going much further out this time. Which partially is taking advantage of a lack of linebacker speed for San Francisco. But what it allowed Bradley Soul to do is the one thing he does well as a blocker, 
which is anchor and crash in. He was taking the defensive end and drive blocking him into the defensive tackle. And that is the one block with an inward step that I feel like Bradley Soul is good. He can't kick side to save his life, but he can drive block in well. I was going to also give a lot of credit to Mike Glowinski. Uh, Mark Glowinski. Mark Glowinski. Thank you, Mark. Mark. Mike's his brother, who uh, occasionally shows up. Gary, like no, Robert no, I'm, I'm not a fool. No, Glowinski had a great game, and he's not, he's not, he hasn't been terrible for us this year. But it was really nice to see him have a. If, a if really Fetty being back yes. next week, though, is really going to saw it up the middle of that. Is line. that going to happen? That seems like that's what they're Ooh. saying. They, they said there was a good shot he'd have it this last week against the Niners. So he's going to have a couple penalties, but it'll be really fun to see that monster on the line. All right, can we talk? Are we going to talk about the offense versus the defense? Offense. offense. All right, let's talk about the return of Jimmy Graham. How great was Jimmy Graham in this game? Oh, he was what we wanted him to be. He was mm-hmm. directly better than Jermaine Curse in all the Jermaine Curse roles. Do you think he just needed to get that big hit pass? You know, behind him because he, you know, he took that hit. It happened last week. He yeah. got upended right around the knees. And I think that's part of it. I also think, you know, last week was his preseason week three. And so now he was kind of in it. And he was at full game speed. I mean, what, dude had six catches for 100 yards and a touchdown, 16.7 yards per catch? Yeah. Another that's thing, respectable. And they split him out a lot. Yeah, I think another thing that helped him, too, was that Lockett's role in the offense was a little bit reduced to bring him back from the injury slowly. And it gave Jimmy Graham an opportunity to really step up and be like in a really important player in the offense. And he snatched that opportunity right up. He said like, I'm back and I'm going to make something happen and they're not going to be able to take me, my role back down. You know, they're not going to be able to reduce my snaps because I'm going to make them play me. And I really liked what he did. We'll I thought see he was Jimmy. Great in this game. We'll see. Well, they did a ton of two wide receiver sets this game, which was different. And you saw Brandon Williams out there, mm-hmm. which hopefully be replaced by Vennett, who's a better blocker in my opinion. And Graham was split wide as a like a slot receiver, right? Like and they, that's we, a like great they role. Lockett, but Lockett was like I said, like like they reduced. Yeah, his Lockett's role. a little banged up, and they let they let him rest and let Graham take advantage of this defense because he was a mismatch, a big mismatch. Well, they didn't game. they didn't send Graham on a lot of out routes last year, but they I felt like the scheming. Almost had him on too many seams. Like, we wanted Jimmy Graham a little deeper. And Jimmy Graham is a catch, get hit guy. He's a catch and turn the ball at field a little bit guy. I mean, he's not just that big body to throw two downfield. He can do it all except block, but he can do it all in the receiving game. And it's, it's nice to see him being used more intelligently this season so far. It depends far. on the kind of blocking you want him to do. He's not the worst blocker ever. Yeah, basically. That's the reason I like him is kind of split out in a two tight end set as a slot receiver because he blocks really well for a wide receiver. He just blocks below average for a tight end. So if you have him like split out blocking on a bubble screen or something, that's something you do really well. Or if you have him split right. out with a tight end on the strong side and have him split out further and then you run across the end that way, it's like having this huge, bulky wide receiver out there right, to try throw to get, a big yeah. try to have him get up into the second or third level really fast on yeah. a block on a running If he's play. blocking a safety, he can man up on that guy and just square him up. Yeah, blocking a DB is a lot different than blocking a giant defensive end or, mm-hmm. or exactly. you know, a, yeah. a rushing It's a lot linebacker. different blocking Eric Armstead, right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And how about Doug Baldwin, who just, he, when Russ went out and Boykin came in, he just looked at Boykin and went, young man, 
I've got you. I've got yeah. you on this. And he just, the dude had flypaper on his hands. Everything thrown to him was a catch. Didn't matter. And that was all game. But he really took responsibility for creating first down situations, took over that drive where Boykin threw the touchdown pass. He was a man on fire that whole drive. And Boykin looked bang average. I'm not giving him much credit. Like I think people <sighs> Boykin looked like a solid want, backup quarterback. Wanted to hype him up like he was actually really good. I think he was really okay. One he touchdown, threw a real, one interception. Threw a real he looked ugly great next inter- to Blaine Gabbert. Real ugly interception. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I would take him over a lot of backups in the NFL right now. He fits our offense very well. Yeah. He's the kind of guy that you go one and two with, and you just don't want the kind of guy you'll go oh and three with. Yeah. I, I think he, it was good to see him in there just running the, the read option and shows that he knows our offense. We don't have to change it. It's not like Tarveris where we, you know, just had to hand off and short pass. I think Boykin is a serviceable serviceable backup. Sorry, Brad Hancock. He's not the greatest quarterback in the league. But uh, I I did like seeing him in there, seeing Russ come out. I have to ask this question. When Russ got hit, when his knee (laughs) got hit a little bit and it looked terrible, I don't know. What was everyone thinking? I would have to put a dollar fifty in the swear jar if I quoted myself okay. on our group chat. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm it was not... only one curse word, but I really stretched out. It was very the long. Noun. Yeah, I really, I really stretched out the vowel in that, it. That you went far. I um, I really like Russell Wilson in the matchup this week, and I just think that he's been really unlucky this year. None of those injuries are anything he could have prevented. It's like a guy randomly stepping on his leg in both of them. And that, yeah. that stuff happens. Like, Ultimately, it's just random though, unlucky stuff. it is it is Russell's fault that he. Did, I mean, through his whole career, that he doesn't get the ball out sooner. Um, you know, when he's scrambling, like he he could throw it out of bounds. He's always looking for that play, and he had so much time on that play to get rid of the ball. I'm not I'm not blaming him for getting hit. I'm just saying, like, come on, Russ. There are plays where I agree with you, and there were a couple in this game. I thought one of the two sacks was really a situation where instead of throwing the ball away, he tried to step up. And oh, I know what play you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and it was in, I think, the first quarter. And that was on Russ for not just getting rid of the ball. But uh, I that don't was the Glenn feel, Dorsey sack. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like the play where he got hurt is on him because that's when he did exactly what he should do. Rolled out to the right, went out, had his eyes upfield, and looked for a place to get rid of the ball. And that's not what I want him to stop doing. Because a lot of his best plays are on those rolls to the right, set up, and huck it. And like Nate said, that was just an unlucky injury on that one. I mean, and up to that point, he's having his best game of the season. He's 65%. He's got a 114 rating. He's passing for 10 yards in attempt. Like, he, he's doing fine. That was like, he was, that was his best game of the season. It looked like the ankle injury was not going to hamper him too, too much, even though he didn't have any rushes or anything. He did seem to, we talked about this last week, he wasn't scrambling. He scrambled a little this week. He looked a little lighter on his feet. It was a lot more comfortable. He did admit before the game that last week, again, that you know, a week and a half ago against the Rams, it was really bothering him. His ankle was really bothering him. So it was nice to see him getting better and better. Hopefully this knee does not detract from that. You know what really helped him was Kristen Michael getting 20 carries for 106 yards, Ooh. averaging over five yards a carry, Two touchdowns, including his first rushing touchdown in the NFL, and that was a he, great. That first rushing touchdown was awesome. Run to the the forty one yarder. He, he, he showed another gear that we didn't always think he I, had. Another thing too is he had the vision to find that running path because there was good blocking on that play. But you have to be a smart 
a well-visioned runner to make that run through the whole team. Exactly, like exactly. Yeah, he and what I like was he was making a few double cuts, which I know I complimented him before about being like a one-cut-and-go-back. But like Nate said, his vision's improving, and I feel like the big thing is he's getting so decisive in the cuts he makes that it's just kind it of what we always me. said about Marshawn Lynch, where he's always is moving upfield. And doesn't re- just, just remind me of Marshawn. It reminds me of an old Seahawk that people like to bag on a little bit, but I always thought was really consistently great, and that's Sean Alexander. He's not like – he just always found the way, the path to the most yards, you know? And I know at the end of his career he ran out of bounds a lot, and it was really annoying because he was trying not to take damage or something. Well, I don't know what his deal was. Well, the beginning of his career he used to dance a little bit too much in the backfield like – but, Mike used but he had like those three years where he was the like super decisive and his vision was always so great. And that's what this reminded me of when he's just he's finding every little seam and just pushing forward to get every single yard. I quite liked it. I really enjoyed the game out of Christian Michael this week. If yeah. this is the running back we have every game for the rest of the year, this is a run game that can get this team into the playoffs for sure. I agree. Are you OK with the depth we have at running back right now? Uh if Procise is healthy in a week or two? If Procise is healthy and Rawls is healthy, which I think after the bye week, that's pretty much for sure. Ooh. Nate, you had something about the Rawls injury. What was that that you were saying? They're saying what might have happened there? Oh, yeah. Didn't he like, crack his tibia or fibia or something? They kept and... talking about a contusion, but if it was just a cut, you would think that he'd be able to run. Yeah, no. Thomas Rawls, they said this week he's going to be out at least this week and probably a couple more. So we're with we're on the Christian Michaels Allen Collins train. He has a leg fracture now, so that's bad. That's so that's bigger than at, a couple weeks. They're saying that he could be out up to a month or maybe more. So yeah. look for CJ Procise to get in the game this week. I think he he should be back, and we could see him getting involved on thir- especially on third downs. Yeah, and Alex Collins looked okay. He was a little more decisive. He looked good enough to give. He's the kind of a he's the kind of guy you want to only get six snaps a game, but he was fine. Yeah. But he's not the guy who's going to kill you on six snaps a game. Exactly. So Which, he's our fourth running back, so I guess what do you want? Yeah, I <laughs> seeing Alex Collins in the game was like, no. <laughs> I Are you still on the team? Uh, yeah, okay. Anything else we want to go up against the offense for the Seahawks? I guess we covered every single position, it seems like. Yeah, I just want to go over one more time that blocking. I think it was really key, the way that the run plays were called this week, really allowed Soul to block the way he's supposed to. And then the runs off the right side were good again, just the way they've been. I mean, we clearly weren't playing one of the best defensive lines in football for the first time this season, and it showed. I mean, we aren't dead last in run blocking anymore in on, on uh, Football Outsiders DVOA. Yeah. So, you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, you know what? We haven't said this. Daryl Bevel, good good play calling this week. I wouldn't go that far. Most most of the time. Some of the time. <laughs> 65% of the time. Congratulations, Joe Bevel. I mean, Joe Bevel, I didn't hate you this week. Is that we didn't run much off left end this week, and left end is where our, our by far our weakest running position. I, yes. We ran up the middle, or we ran off left guard, or left tackle. So that, that's And that's fine. That's where we want to run. We want to run inside left tackle or off left guard. So that's good Good job by Seahawks. Good thinking. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, turn the focus to the defensive side of the ball, where we didn't have to go too hard playing against Blaine Gabbert, but what did you see, Kevin? I saw no sacks, a couple of hits, but Gabbert had to get the ball out so fast yes, that that did. wasn't going to happen. It did not bother me we didn't sack him. No. I, it, for whatever reason, it felt right. The, the defense, 
the pass rush rather felt right. And Sherm was so angry when he didn't get that interception. Yeah, I funny. think he's just mad about his hands because he, I think his hands fall asleep because he doesn't get to use them all game because no one throws towards him. And then he goes for these picks and he just can't come up with it like he used to. The, uh, the defense looked great. You can allow a lot of those like dink dunk three yard passes if you're going to hold strong on, on third down, you know, so it's the same thing that they've done in the past week. They, they let a, they let a few in, you know. They let you get, and then they get maybe first down. They let you get a three yard pass, and then second down they stop you for negative one yard, and then you're in third and seven. And what do you do against this all world defense when you're in third and seven? Well, you you punt, right? You're gonna you're, you're leading up to a punt. Yeah. So that and that's what happened in this game. Yeah, four point eight yards per attempt. That's a recipe for a punt. <laughs> uh, and Bobby Wagner's interception that was cool on a on a deflection. Wagner's coming back upfield. He said that he went for a blitz and didn't get there. And so hustle play though. He's kept his head up and kept his eyes open. You know, he's like he was totally hustling on that play. That's all like guy who doesn't give up on the play. Yeah. Status right there. Bobby Wagner is the guy you want in the middle of your defense. He is the quintessential middle linebacker. He mops up everything. He does everything well. If Luke Keekley didn't exist in the NFL, People will be talking a lot more about Bobby Wagner. Yeah, and that's a shame. I, I will say this, Kevin. Do you have any numbers on the non DBs, or I'm sorry, the non Richard Sherman DBs? Any any Earl Thomas? I, I do have a stat really quick, just to back up what I was saying about third downs. And San Francisco was four for fifteen on third downs. So that that was uh that's the uh, the number you're looking for there. If you want you want pass some pass target stats. Well, how about how about this? Um, they only targeted Torrey Smith four times. That's their best wide receiver. Yep. And um, Richard Sherman on the season has only been targeted like 22 times, which leads the NFL by, I think, about 10. I'm not 100% sure. I'd have to look it up again. But right now, Richard Sherman's way ahead of everyone else in terms of getting targeted by, by quarterbacks, which just shows they're, they're scared. And they should be. They should yeah. be. It's still Richard Sherman. The the guy doesn't always intercept picks. He tips him. He tips him to his other. I mean, do you know how many backs? times they threw deep right? Well, zero. Zero. Say, yeah. deep, deep, middle, deep, deep middle. Zero. They threw only through three deep passes, and they're all away from Sherman. They're all to the left. Jeremy Curley caught one of them. He did not catch one of them, and Quentin Patton did not catch one. So yeah. no one throws, tries to throw deep on us because we're scary, and their quarterback is Blaine Gabbert. And Cam Chancellor. Baptized, man. Vance McDonald. Yeah, that was a hit. And then he put a big one on Selleck to start the second half because he's like, "Oh, you're gonna put in the other tight end. Welcome to the league as well." Yeah. Oh man, this is the year of Cam. He, that was some vintage Cam. I don't know if he's preseason I don't know Cam. If he's better I, he training just, camp. Cam he looks as good as he's ever looked. That's and a good Cam. Some people might try to bag on the defense too for how many run yards they gave up against Carlos Hyde, but it was all garbage time. Yeah, that was third stringers. I mean, Terrell was in there at safety. I mean, it was not, they were not trying to run the first, they were basically like, yeah, you can just run on us. That's fine. We don't care. We're up by 30. Yeah. It's not a big deal. I mean, they're, they had, I think Selleck and Torrey Smith both caught three passes. I think they had two receivers who averaged about 10 yards per catch and Almost no one else caught a ball, and they all had terrible averages. So to answer your question, the results of the passing game tell you how Shed did, tell you how Jeremy Lane did. The DBs were solid, very solid against, you know, an underwhelming yeah, receiver. Yeah, I mean, court, I, I don't want to... But it was a good game for them. I don't want to overpraise, but 
Deshaun Shed. <laughs> Deshaun Shed had a great bounce back game. Jeremy Lane has looked good this year. He looked great this game. This is the game that we needed. You know, we need some confidence. We need, or we, the team needed a little confidence on defense and to just destroy your old rival. Don't be nice. modest, Eric. We know you side with the team last week. <laughs> I wish. The 49ers are the opposite of the Rams. The Rams always play us tough. We always have ugly games since the Rams the last few years. The last few years, the 49ers are like our get-well game. If you look at any division. We play them so well. Every division, every team of the three teams, there's the team that plays you tough, the team that, you know, can... I'm sorry, the bad team that plays you tough, the team that you beat up, and the team that is your true rival. And San Francisco used to be our rival. Now it's the Cardinals. The Rams have always played us tough. We used to kill the Cardinals. Now we always kill the 49ers. Things are cyclical. Someday... Hopefully never, we will be that team that gets beat up on, although I figure we had like a decade of that and we're due yeah, we got centuries all that out of fortune. West years. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, I Yeah. I think we've uh, we've tapped this game. I think are we ready to move on to the uh, New York Jets? I think so. The New York football Jets. Maybe turn to the site of Super Bowl forty eight. Super we, Bowl forty two. Turned to a team last week. Whose quarterback decided that he preferred the other team's receivers to his own? Oh my gosh, right. Ryan Fitzpatrick! Good on you for coming back for eight and a half million. Jets, bad on you for paying some guy with a beard who looks like old they're, Ryan Fitzpatrick other eight million. That's still their best option. I was going to say, like, if they pull Ryan Fitzpatrick, what are we getting? Geno Smith. He was so cre- he was so creative though. He threw like one. He threw like two to safeties. He threw one to a linebacker. He threw two to Marcus Peters. Like the, he just decided, you know what? I'm going to spread it out. I'm going to hit five different receivers in Kansas City jerseys and make sure that everyone gets in the game. You know, I want them to all be feeling it. Yeah, that's what Peyton Manning did. He used to spread the ball around. <laughs> Does this game make Darrell Rivas want to play for the Seahawks so he can get an interception? And have a great coverage game. I don't know. No, because he's so selfish, he wouldn't want to be shown up by Earl Thomas <laughs> and Richard Sherman on the same defense, let's be honest. I mean, here's the craziest thing about this game for me is that Kansas City didn't even have a sack. It's not even like Kansas City was was super pressuring the Kansas quarterback. Kansas City did not play a great game either. Kansas City did not play very good. Their defense won in that game. But the but it's not even their defense. They they had a sleeper agent. You know, they didn't know that they had programmed Ryan Fitzpatrick with the secret word. And then once they said the secret word, I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want anyone to abuse it. But once they said the secret word, Ryan Fitzpatrick could only throw interceptions. It's so crazy. It's like Zoolander? I'm it's, pretty it, sure. It's kind of like Zoolander, but the trigger is not relaxed. Isn't the trigger Jets? They literally only had four hits. QB no, the hits. trigger's walking on the field. This guy has a 55.8% completion percentage, and he throws it to... Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall, whose catch radius is roughly 30 square miles. Seriously, great receivers. Great receivers. Just throw it high. These guys will if if he had he had 15 passes deflected too, including a couple epic interception drops. Like there should have been eight interceptions in this game. Easily. Yeah. The best part is it might not have been the worst quarterback performance of the week. Looking at you, Carson Palmer. <laughs> you thought you could get away with it, but I'm not. I'm not letting you go. So Fitzpatrick is the least efficient quarterback, according to Football Outsiders, in the NFL. Out of every quarterback to start this year, he is the worst one, according to them. Man, and if you look at the tape, Brandon Marshall, yeah, he is. Brandon Marshall put his car on the line to against 
I don't against uh, Demarius Thomas. He said, "Let's bet cars who can get the most yards." He is not looking good right now. He was More so excited. Story Fitzpatrick doesn't really like Brandon Marshall. And I would say Brandon Marshall knows that Demarius Thomas has a bad quarterback, and he's like, "I'm going to put my average quarterback against your average quarterback." And he's regretting that decision. Yeah. Guys, serious question: How are we going to slow down Bilal Powell this week? N- what? Leave I'm him sorry. on the bench. I'm sorry. I had to. If I had Bilal to... Powell gets more than like six touches, I would be stunned. But you know, we'll just just. Well, if he touches it more than twice, he's playing I, with it. In all seriousness, what do the what do the Jets have on offense for us outside of their their they three receivers? Don't forget about Kellen. Uh, they have Zoli. three really good wide receivers: Quincy and Yuma and Yunwa, Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall. They're all talented. Ryan Fitzpatrick is streaky as hell. I mean, sometimes he's really freaking good, and sometimes he throws six picks in one game. You know, number just, thirty pass offense. It's like this guy is all over the place. Who's worse? That, that's kind of what you get. That's kind of what you sign up for with Ryan Fitzpatrick, though. If you look at his game logs, it's like good game, literal disaster. Good game, good game, literal disaster. Like that's just how he rolls. You and know? So he's just he's skipping all the good games early in the season this year. I mean, last year against the Patriots, they won in overtime week 16. He threw three three touchdowns and looked great. Like, this guy can play. And I'm not willing to just, like, completely write him off just because he's had one bad game. But this is a scary defense to go against that he's going to face this week. Are the two yeah. worst teams offensively in the passing game, is it San Francisco and St. Louis? Or, I'm sorry, L.A.? Uh, they're close. I... Okay. Didn't write that part down. Sorry. I can look it but up. But they're number you. 22 in offensive uh, DVOA. Pat, 30th in the pass, second in the run. Pass rank oh. is... Pass rank. is the number four running back. They're the actually team. 31st now, and 32nd is the Rams. And okay. 30th is Cleveland, of course. Oh, I forgot oh, about Cleveland. Go. Just like everyone oh, yeah, else. Yeah, their rushing offense is actually sixth. They're pretty good. Yeah, but Forte's going to break down if you keep giving them 25 carries a game. But here's the thing. They went from... At the beginning of last week, their offensive DVOA was fifth in the league. And then after last week, it was 25th. I mean, they had a really bad week offensively. Like, the least efficient week you can have. Like, throwing all your passes to the opposing team. Who did the Jets play in week one and two? They played the Bengals in week one in a close game. That's a defensive team. And lost to them. And in week two, they, they lost they, to Buffalo. No, they won at, in a they game, won at Buffalo. Or they won at Buffalo in a game where both teams were yeah. terrible but constantly scored. I was going to say, like, this is going to be their hardest defense they've faced, I'm guessing. I mean, the Chiefs have a really good defense. And the ba- no, the Bengals, the Bengals have, really have a, The Bengals have probably have an equally good defense because they were a little healthier. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like our defense better. I like our pass rush. Very much. You're talking top five defense in both cases. We'll just say. Yeah, that. I'll say that absolutely. And I and I like the Chiefs' defense quite a bit. How, is this more than sacking the box for us? I mean, I think that we need to play the receivers really tough because the Jets, yeah. the Jets, even though they had a bad week last week, this still is in a passing offense that when it's hot, it's elite. And so I would be afraid of trying to stop their passing offense from getting going. And we Luckily, have a front seven. They can block the. They can shut down the run by circumstance. And luckily, their defensive secondary is completely overrated. Yes, it is. And that, that gives us a that gives us a really good opportunity. Their front seven is pretty decent, but their secondary is just completely overrated. Hey, Eric, what team is the worst at covering wide receiver twos in all of football? Oh, is that be the Jets? Is it going to be the New York Jets? It would. Wow. So you're saying Tyler Lockett is going to have a no, very good game? I'm saying. Jimmy Graham is going to have okay. a really good game. Ooh, that's big. I'm saying both are going to have a really good game. I wouldn't be surprised. And I've... Baldwin is the kind of receiver who gives Revis fits. 
because he's oh. not just like this vertical guy. You know, if you have a speed receiver or something, Revis will shut him down. But Baldwin will just find spots in the defensive scheme and he'll get his. You know, he might not go for 100, but he'll get his. He'll get four or five catches. He'll get 60 or so yards. He might get a touchdown. Here's the thing, man. If Russell's mobile, if he can be as mobile as he was last week, I don't need him more mobile. I just need him to play like he did last week. I think Doug Baldwin has another 100-yard game. And one thing we haven't seen, we haven't got to see from Russell this year is running. I mean, right now, he has nine runs for 33 yards. And so if if we're going to see the Russell of last year and we're going to start to get some running out of him, that would be a really important factor in this game. If we don't get a lot of running out of him, I think the Jets have the talent on offense and on the talent in the front seven to keep the game very close. Muhammad Wilkerson, their defensive tackle, is an all-pro player. He is very, very very talented, and do not underrate how much damage this guy can do on the inside. And Todd Bowles is a big-time blitzer. They have nine sacks in 2016. They're one of the top five pass-rushing teams in the NFL, and he dials up these really solid blitzes. So Kristen Michael's ability to pick up the blitz is going to be really important this week. And, you know, when we always talk about what a great coach Bruce Arians is for Arizona, but I was very happy to see Todd Bowles go to the AFC because that was there were like five coaching vacancies and I was like oh Todd Bowles is going to stick in the NFC it this you know maybe what if he goes to San Francisco this isn't going to be good for us and I'm so glad he's away from us we only have to deal with him once every four years yeah they Tom Schillard instead that was good for us <laughs> uh, another thing is that their offensive line has a lot of ex Seahawks they got James Carpenter and then Chip Benner on the pup list but they they also have Ryan Clady, who is a guy I really wanted us to pursue in the offseason. Yeah. Maybe that's why their offensive line is a little But he can get injured literally at any time. Yep. They also have a couple guys that maybe local fans might be interested in. Tremaine Pope is their third string running back right now. Uh, and then they have Austin Safarian Jenkins now. Oh, oh yeah, really? they, they yep. claim all They waivers. picked up Austin Safarian Jenkins. Who, Too bad they never throw to their tight end. Yeah, I don't know if he'll matter Ever. because he hasn't mattered yet on an NFL team. But, you uh, know. Jay Samaro got traded to Tennessee. In the offseason, he has more receptions for Tennessee than he did in his Jets career. Winslow or at least it feels like it. Winslow's injured, isn't he? Or is he not? Because he looked good in the first game. Who? Winslow, Junior, the tight end for the Jets. Oh, Kellen Davis? No, I'm talking, no, not Kellen Davis. That's their tight end. They don't have Kellen. Kellen Winslow Jr. is retired. Yeah, Are you Kel- sure? You're talking about Kellen Davis. I must be it. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Kellen Davis. I'm, I told Kevin on the way here, I'm, I'm working it's, on like four hours. That's it's a Kel- massive difference. Hey, you know what? It's Kellen, it's Kellen, Kellen, though. That's where. But Kellen Davis. Yeah, how many Kellens do you get at tight end? This I don't true. play too much. He's uh he's got he's got one target this year. There this it's is not their, the guy I'm talking about. That is not a Brandon Bostic, Braden Bowman. You know it doesn't. We're in the middle of the podcast. I know they <laughs> had one <laughs> one good tight end game this year. Maybe I dreamt it. I'm just looking at their all the tight ends on their uh, roster. Eric Decker looks like a tight end. He's big <laughs> no, and white. He does not. He's, he's a white. big and white and he catches the ball. Uh, here's a question. That's every tight end qualification. <laughs> How who does Richard Sherman cover? He's gonna stay on one side of the field. Do they do they move Decker and Brandon Marshall? Do they switch him? What do here's they do? Here's the thing, I don't care. Decker is the right wide receiver for them in their offense, so I'd assume he's gonna be on Decker the whole game. But okay. I don't know. Yeah, and I like him on either one because I think they're really like a one one A scenario. And I like Richard Sherman, and I like Deshaun Shedd a lot in this game because they're both big enough that they can man up against these really big receivers. Uh, uh, I like yeah, I, I actually think that the we match up pretty decently with them. As this long is as, a strengths if, on strengths. If Brandon game. Marshall can't kill us, if 
Brandon Marshall is the player that can kill us. If they just start just Brandon Marshall's on, let's say Brandon Marshall's on shed, and they just start throwing to him every single play, and it's not bad Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's good Ryan Fitzpatrick, that could get real real weird real quick. Unless the Earl game. becomes magical, yeah. Yeah. So so that that's that's the scary thing that can happen. And Matt Forte, is he catching balls like he did in Chicago? No, he's just running a lot. Okay, yeah, he's just running. He's averaging four hours a catch, but they're using him a lot. 67 rush attempts already this year, which is quite a bit. That poor guy. They're just trying to They're trying to finish him off. All it's right. like when you're at the end of the milkshake and you tilt the glass up. You don't care <laughs> if it ends up all over your face in the end. You just want that last bit. All right, I just, I just looked at the stats for every uh, receiver that's got a catch for the Jets this year, and it weirds me out, Eric, because... Because you brought this up, they don't have a tight end with a catch this year. You know, that's against the Seahawks, that's the one position you I think you, you might have been want. thinking of Quincy and Yunwa, which is like their wide receiver that people... He's like young, so people haven't heard of him. He's from Nebraska. It's his second season, and he's pretty good. Uh, actually, pretty great. I it would, may have been... It, it may have... I honestly, like, I just... It's, it I felt like I just dream. got Shuttered Island. Seriously, you had a was, lucid dream. <laughs> I was, I thought was, I just got Shutter Island. Like I was like, what? But, the, but Winslow's this is, been but retired. This is really strange though, because okay, the Seahawks are a team that struggle to cover tight ends, and this is not something that apparently the Jets will be able to exploit. Well, let me ask: Do we do we struggle with that this year? Or do we fix that? Or maybe we fix we it because are we're really playing bad middling this year. Okay. I think we're right around like seventeenth versus tight ends. I'm gonna right. look team defense right now. I got it open. Versus tight and we're like 18th versus we running backs. We are 11th. So, 11th yeah, we're doing okay, and we're 18th versus running backs. We're really good against wide receivers of all types, top yeah. 10 and everything. So, yeah. We shut down wide receiver number twos because they always put them on shirts. And, I mean, I'd like to see how we handle a really, really good tight end. You know, like a... Eh, I don't want to see that like right Greg now. Olson. <laughs> like a Greg Olson type. Oh, yeah. for us to get healthy on Cause, offense. Because Greg Olson that. just straight up murdered us in that playoff game. That so, was, I would really like to see... That was terrible. You murdered really us like in both us. of those games. I just... I want to see us get after him, you know? I want to see full seat, full camp Cam Chancellor, as I call him now. Because, okay, that's great. Because no camp Cam Chancellor last year was horrible. I would say this. Cam was not great last year. And this year, he came back after the full camp. And that's a guy, once he's working out, man, he's the best of all time. Because he's been... Awesome this year. He's the best around. (laughs) Nothing will ever keep him down. Okay, gentlemen. Except for missing camp. Let's go. Except for missing camp. And it did. And it did. Let's go to let's go to picks for the game. Wait, I I got one more for you. Oh, one more. You're always I'm always Who has more rushing yards this year? Ryan Fitzpatrick or or Russell Wilson? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it's really weird. Fifty eight rushing yards. But that's just because he's just trying to he's just trying to find that open D B. Russell Wilson. By time, find the open DB. I was going to make a joke, but I'm just going to let you end it with that. Yeah, that was way better than any nice. joke we could have made. All right, uh, so Brett Hancock is going to go first. He was not here tonight because he had stuff to do. And that's my... It's We're all shocked to hear the sound of Guys, our own voice. stuff to do. And, and Doesn't Brett, that sound fun? Yeah. yeah well, not, not fun that I want to do it, but... Hopefully grab the Kleenex on the way. For him. And with that, he picked the Seattle Seahawks to beat the New York Jets... 14 to 5, and he guaranteed, oh. he guaranteed a safety for the Jets. <laughs> oh my gosh. Still a very Brett like prediction. The Jets play two safeties every game, so all he's right. right. This is, uh, alright, I got my Jets prediction. I think that the, both teams are going to score in this game. I think that the Seahawks are down at the end, 24 20. We come up with a clutch Doug Baldwin touchdown to give us the win. 27 24, Seattle Seahawks. Whoa, I don't like that. That's scary, Nathan. I like your score in that I don't think either team's going to break out of the 20s. I think this is going to be one of those games where break out the Pepto-Bismol, 
This is going to be close going for a while. I do think turnovers will play a role. If Russ can get mobile and if the run game can sustain, which I feel like that's going to happen, I think we're looking at maybe a late touchdown to pull away. I'm going to go with 24-20 Seattle. Oh, I don't. I'm not digging these scores. Honestly, I I think Brett went with a better <laughs> score. What are you gonna say, Eric? You gonna go with the, the old ten nine? <laughs> I'm gonna go. You know, I every week it just comes to me, and this week it's it's hard. Like I I didn't have it before the game. Well, this is a tough. I feel like this is a tough matchup. Like it's a hard one to read because the matchup is weird. Like it's hard to pick against. It's hard to pick when one of the teams involved is like either. A thousand degrees hot or like a negative a thousand degrees cold like yeah. the Jets. So that's why I, I picked a close game, but honestly, I think it could, like a blowout either way is super likely. Like there's a significant chance of a blowout with for either team. I, I don't see the Jets, Jets blowing us up. Jets winning close, I think, is the least likely of my four quadrants really? results. You know how I always do my four yeah, quadrants? Yeah. Jets blowout, Jets win close, Seahawks win close, Seahawks blowout. I think Seahawks blowout is number one. Seahawks win close is number two, and then I'd say Jets blowout is number three. I, I think I think Jets would win close before that would happen. But having said that, I think the Jets the Jets have the they have great capacity for good. Their defense is like a sleeping giant. But I'm gonna say Seahawks seventeen, and because everyone wants to pick it close, Jets thirteen. And that might be a special teams touchdown, well, but I'm not guaranteeing you it. Here's, here's my problem two though: missed two point conversions. The Jets don't have the stamina. <laughs> Sorry, that's a debate joke. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I just wanted to say stamina, stamina. I hate the I hate the way that guy talks. All right. So um, anyway, are we ready for our Seahawks Nest Movie Club? Yeah. I think well, before we, we get to that, we got our thirty second ad here. So by the way, can I just want the film room. Uh, no, it's too. Li- I, I've gone <laughs> so good. I've gone too far in this direction now. Uh, okay, so I just wanted to say thirty seconds to beg you for money. Uh, give us a dollar a month. And you'll get access to Patreon-only features on our Patreon page. Also, $3 a month, you get to hang out with Brett Hancock after every game in a Google chat. Trust me, it's worth it, especially after games like last week or games like two weeks ago. So blowouts or bad losses. Those are the most fun you can have with Brett after a football game. He might not even be able to do it because his phone broke, and then I'll have to do it, which is like 100 times funnier, too. So <laughs> It'll actually to, contain insight. Yeah, you get to hear me making fun of Brett for breaking his phone. So that's always cool. Anyway, that's a, that's my 30-second plug. So, on to Seahawks Nest Movie Club, which is like book club for people who hate reading. I'm going to go with a movie this week that, that I know stars Kevin Bacon as a hillbilly and asks the, the serious question, oh, no. can you fly, you sucker? You sucker. It's Tremors, Tremors. 1990 classic. Of all, the game, of all the movies I thought you'd bring out, never did I think you'd say Tremors. What a treat Nathan Santo oh. is. Uh, yeah, just just to be clear, if you're watching this movie on, say, TNT or, I don't know, right now probably on the Sci-Fi channel, they don't dub over the F word. He says, can you fly, you sucker. 
Yeah, that's that. He, they, that's the line. For, that's for a movie line. with so much swearing in it, too. Like, yes. there's this movie has an obscene amount of swearing, and it's funny too because it's a running gag in the movie. The one character who's with Kevin Bacon, I can't remember his name right now. He's always going, "Oh, pardon Fred my Ward. French. Fred Ward. Fred Ward. Brother, yeah. <laughs> He's going, "Pardon my French." And then there's one scene in them where the girl does it, and she's like, "Pardon my French." Yeah, <laughs> it's like super good. You know, this this movie has, of course, Kevin Bacon, uh, one of one of America's treasures. It has a versatile character actor, one-time wannabe leading man, main actor Fred Ward as uh, the sidekick to Kevin Bacon. You have the lady I've never seen again in that in this movie. Uh, you've got Michael Gross from Family Ties. Is what, the what? What about that old Asian guy that runs the shop? Oh, oh I'm not. I'm not there yet. I'm not there. <laughs> Michael Gross, the dad on Family Ties, ties uh, married to. Uh, oh damn! What is her name? The the country music singer with the yes. red hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and not Bonnie Raitt. <laughs> uh, I they play like the the gun. Yes. The gun enthusiasts. I'll just call them. Yeah. That would, there's a, there's yeah, that, the elephant rifle. Yeah, what's that elephant? scene? That scene where the, the thing comes through the wall and they've got like just all the guns on the wall. Yeah, yes. they're, they're shaking down their, the, uh, the yeah. bullets. Yeah. It, go, it, it runs into the cinder block wall it in basically, their gun basement. Yeah, they just, they <laughs> empty their arsenal on this thing. But then you've got the guy who plays Egg in Big Trouble in Little China playing the, the Mini Mart clerk. And that guy's great. He's like, you're gonna wish that you would have gave him a name. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wasn't, he, Graboids. He calls Graboids. them Graboids. Yes. Yeah. I think Graboids is a great name. <laughs> and it was so racist because they were having, because he was the only character who was like, immediately like, we're going to make a profit on this. It was, it was very like cheap Asian. <laughs> the only, and also the only ethnic person in the movie. And I figured, you I'm, know. Wait, Hillbilly's an ethnicity. <laughs> yeah, I was, sure. You know, I got to applaud them. They didn't go like, you know, Native American or even Mexican for like, you know, the Old West. They were like, you know what? We're just going to put an Asian guy in this movie. I don't even care. I mean, it's Kevin Bacon is playing like a serious hillbilly in this movie. And I think like the reason I wanted to do this movie is because Kevin actually has like the greatest take on this movie, which is that like it, of what genre of movie this movie is. So, do you, did you want to talk about it, or do you want me to, to lead you into it? Go ahead and lead. Okay, so Kevin is... Kevin, one, one time we were discussing what the greatest shark movie ever was, and Kevin just wow. goes, the greatest shark movie is Tremors. And I'm like, this is genius. Like, I never would have thought of Tremors as a shark movie. It's like, it's like a, uh, it's like a, for me, it's like a supernatural thriller, or like a mystery kind of, like, it's got like a thriller vibe to me. But it's cheesy. The music is always inappropriate in this movie, which is, I think, my movie. Which favorite. is so good. Which is my favorite part about it. Like, the part where they're pole vaulting from rock to rock, and the music playing is like... And it's like, they're in mortal danger right now. Can this music be a little more serious? And instead, it's like a wedding in southern rom-com music. But I, but anyway, yeah, you're right. This is like the greatest shark movie. If you look, I really think they did some things on purpose to kind of shot for shot some scenes from Jaws. Like... The scene in Jaws where the guy's diving under the boat and he goes up through the hole in the side of the boat and, like, the body floats down is very similar to the scene where they unbury the station wagon that has the couple buried in the station wagon yeah, when they're attacked at night. Okay. Yeah. Or, okay. Uh, the part where they move the debris and the body pops out of the water is very similar to the bum who fried himself, or, uh, excuse me, who dehydrated himself. dehydrated himself on the electrical wires. Like, there's some scenes in this that are extremely similar what about to some scenes in some classic Really funny, really funny. Oh, we talk about some more scenes, too. The one where the guy's 
they drive past those guys that are jackhammering. They're like, stop. There's a killer on the loose. He's chopping people's heads off. And then they're like, oh, he's just messing with us. And then they keep going and then he's jackhammering and he jackhammers into the back of yes. the, of the graboid. It starts eating. <laughs> like how you just roll it with graboid now. Uh, don't forget, I mean, for its time, this movie was a little more gory than you'd think. I mean, wasn't, it wasn't like full of gore, but there was, there was blood, there were dead bodies, and it was, they, they tried to put a certain element and, uh, of fear into the audience. It looks a lot better than you remember, too, because I rewatched it this week. It's on Amazon Prime Instant Video for free. I don't know if it's on other streaming services. You'd have to look, but it's on Amazon Instant Video for free. So I rewatched this movie this week to try to, like, brush up on it, because I don't think, I think I'm, I saw this movie closer to the when it came out than when it, the current date. Like, I think the first time I saw it, I was like 14 or 15. Which would be like 2001. So I mean, I haven't seen it for 15 years, and I watched it, and I was like, it was pretty rad. Like I, I was super into it. Todd and I used to watch it on Monster Vision with Joe Bob Riggs. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's a way to watch. Where movie. I saw many, many great movies, and this movie it does it ages well if you know what you're looking at, which is it's a movie that is a great introduction to horror movies if you have a child who is between the ages of about 11 and 14 and they're just maybe looking to watch their first horror movie and you can handle all the swearing because there's you can a handle lot the swearing, of swearing yes. if your family's cool with that which if you listen to this podcast they probably are it's fun swearing though it's it is. I will say it because it's silly because he's such a yes. hillbilly and it's not and he's derogatory. Like, he's like, like that part where the where they where it runs into the wall. They're in that of uh, the retaining yes. thing, and he's just <laughs> he's just like he's like f you. He's like yelling at him. <laughs> he don't killed himself. You know. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he's just celebrating over the corpse of this just murder monster. Yeah, graboid. Graboid. <laughs> Another thing about this movie is you. There's, it's a little. Wait, wait, Kevin didn't finish his point. Oh, oh I'm sorry, man. Yeah, let but it get if there. your child is between about 11 and 15, and you want to introduce them to the horror genre, you know, a lot of people say Child's Play or one of those movies. Or it. But it is a popular one. It too. is a popular one. I think that Tremors is really good because it's not like a slasher flick. It's more if you want to like watch the thing with them and some other really good horror movies. This is an introduction to that like monster one of the last good monster movies subgenre. It's yeah. just it's a really enjoyable movie. And I, I like that for a significant portion of the movie we're not sure exactly what's going on. Yes, they do which, a great job. Which of is that. like uh, a good, or the characters really aren't, and the characters are super in the dark. We get more of it than they do for sure. Yeah, do not watch any of the sequels. By the way. Uh, they all went to direct to DVD, and I did not give any of them a chance. Yes, do not, do not just. It's fine. Watch them, but not because they're good. And I, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to veer off course here, but Nathan, I don't know if you know this about me, Kevin, but Nathan, you know I have this certain belief, and this may come up again in other movies, but there are some actors that, if you look at like two movies they've done, or in the case of a couple actors, five movies they've done, that I like to pretend that the one character from one movie. Keeps is just their travel in life keeps going. Is this maybe like twenty years after Footloose, Kevin Bacon? Dang it! I, I was hoping you're going with the River Wild. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
I want, I, I'm not about to look at Kevin Bacon's filmography and figure out what I want it to be. I mean, because it's, it's, you want it to be, be the careful, River Wild. Ke- trust me. Yeah, Kevin Bacon is in a lot, a lot of movies. It's the River Wild. But this, you know that. See, he, he goes through the events of Tremors. Nah. And it, it terrorizes I, him so much no, he breaks. I want it to be, I want it to be, he's in Tremors and then he's Willie O'Keefe in JFK. I was thinking, you know, the guy... Jack Swigert in Apollo 13. Oh, my gosh. The guy, yeah, he loses... He's somehow gained an education to become an astronaut. No, I just like, you know, the guy from the podunk town. He stays in the podunk town. He gets the draw, and things don't work out for him. He stops dancing. He moves to New Mexico, runs into tremors. It's possible. That's all I'm saying. He becomes Sebastian Shaw from X-Men. No, I'm just kidding. That's too much... Yeah, so anyway, I just thought Tremors is a is a really good, like it's a awesome thoroughly movie. enjoyable movie. Uh, yeah. I think it's underrated. People don't give it enough of a chance. Like if the, you're our age, you you had the opportunity to watch it every weekend for about five years running. Yeah, you know, I'll guarantee it's gonna be on within a month a few times because it is October. It is scary movie month, and that is a very agreeable monster movie that people enjoy. And it's and it's I really fun. Want to do it's, maximum overdrive. It's legitimately somewhat funny. I've actually thought about maximum overdrive. Did this because they are similar. That's one of my all-time favorite movies. We have to do that eventually. That movie is. It's so good. It's guess. not well. It's, it's so, so much, enjoyable. It's so much cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Stephen Stephen King did so much cocaine during the film. And another of this movie. and another great great line. Very early in the movie, very quotable. We made no, you no no because <laughs> that's a good one too, honey. This machine just called me an asshole. <laughs> Sorry. Delivered by Stephen King. Okay, uh, go ahead and uh, do some big shouts or give us our uh, give us our reminders there, Kevin. Uh, big shouts to all the 12s down in Argentina. All the 12 down we're in doing Argentina. It, we're doing it again? Yeah. Oh, bringing it back. Uh, just, you know, calling out the international 12s. The 12s in Argentina, the 12s in the Philippines. Still yeah. haven't told us who you are. Need to let Fili- us know. Filipino, Filipino listeners. Or Filipina. Uh, all right, the, lady, sure. the ladies yes, could love it. ladies could love <laughs> I have a hard time... Believing that there is a foreign woman, I just I have a hard time believing that those, those Filipino listens aren't just like some click farm that's like trying to get us to buy some kind of like click farm product. I'm telling you, it's a base. It's it's base. Like a military base? Yeah, there's military How bases in the Oh, all right, Incredible then that's pretty cool. It makes total sense. Military like military one. listeners are fine. I can absolutely. Military <laughs> listeners are fine. Very good. Very <laughs> I'll good. allow it. We're not we're not pro military. You're fine. We're good. I, we're good with military. I feel like we should delete this part of the podcast, but now we're going to leave it. I'm just going to leave it because I'm too lazy to You edit. can find us on Twitter, at Seahawks Nest. You can find us on Facebook. Give us the likes. Follow us on iTunes and... SoundCloud, SoundCloud. Stitcher. Stitcher. Tune in. Tune in. Uh, oh, a lot of Talk people are accessing us, us through Twitter. Pocket Casts now, which is my favorite podcasting app. And it's uh, it's that's a good one. Go for that. I use Podcast Republic on my Android phone. It works fine. You can also that was, find us that was, there. That was a bit great review of it. It works. It works okay. It's that's, free that's, and it doesn't actively make things garbage. And also, honestly, that's just an indictment on the on the droid, not on not on our podcast. Yeah. So for the missing, having fun doing stuff, Brad Hancock for Kevin Bar- Garber and the amazing Nathan. You Santa. almost called him Kevin Barber. Well, that's because uh, his I'm hair looks so nice win. today. If you could, if you call him that, though, you got to call him Kevin Barber the Third, like Marion Barber the Third. <laughs> I'm not going to put that on him. I'm just a triplet with Tiki and Ronald. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to insult the man. Uh, I'm your host, Eric Ronald. Thank you very much for listening. Go on. Put the scene right back. <laughs>